This episode of Podcast Unlocked is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash unlocked for your free audiobook download. Podcast Unlocked. It is Podcast Unlocked, episode 113, if I'm counting correctly. It's September 18th, 2013. Just This is uh, the Ryan McCaffrey birthday podcast, basically. Oh, wow. Friday. Oh, wow. I'm the 20th. Happy birthday. I'm a very, very, very end of summer baby. Nice. They, they, I was born and they went, all right, no more summer. That's enough. <laughs> Clearly, we need a change of season here right. after this kid. But uh, yeah, it's, it's also Grand Theft Auto Five week. Little little game, probably a little more important, at least a little more visible in the media. And that strange voice you're hearing is the boss man himself gracing us with his presence, Steve Butts. Welcome, sir. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, I'm super happy to be here. Your uh, first podcast unlocked appearance. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh! Every yeah, time ever. I'm on this show, there's something special happening. Either and, well, Steve is here, or there's a bunch of lights in the background, <laughs> or you're here. The or charming, I'm here. The charming <laughs> Naomi Kyle joining us as well. Hi guys. It is a. Uh, it is an all-star team. You, usually, you think the all-stars would be on every week, but the regular guys are out. So I brought in the all-stars. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're in such demand. I mean. Sorry, uh, Mitch, Marty, and Destin, <laughs> <laughs> who are all in LA and Japan, respectively. You guys aren't here to do the show, so this is what happens. Yeah, everyone's gone this week. Everyone's gone. Altano's in New York. Greg's going to be in Austin, mm-hmm. and uh, Vince is in New York too. They all and, left on then, your birthday, too. Yeah. That's I'm like, so bailing. <laughs> Screw this guy. I'm not celebrating anything. So, because like, last year, I'd only been working here for a few months, and I was like, I'm not going to bother saying anything, like doing anything with my birthday at work, because it's like the guy, you know, we, I don't really know them yet. They don't really right. know me. Maybe they think I'm just a douche, but uh, th- now they know that. But right. at least we can, plan, <laughs> we can plan around it. Right. But uh, yeah, now nobody's just around to do anything. Are you doing? Well, we're here. Are you doing anything for your birthday? I am thinking of uh, going to my favorite pizza place with the family, which is well, not my favorite. It's one I get don't get to go too much. I won't necessarily call it my favorite because I don't get to go there often. You guys been to Tony's Pizza Napolitana? It's in North Beach. No, I haven't heard of it. It is apparently this guy was voted. In a like worldwide pizza competition, because of course that exists. That's a thing. That's totally a thing. <laughs> uh, it was the first time an American, a not, an American, had ever won. And so it's like, and I I went there once before with a few uh, friends, and it was really damn good. I got to say, it's just a little expensive and very out of the way. Cause you can't North Beach parking is impossible, right? So, but we're gonna you know special occasion. And I think we're, I think that's gonna be the plan. That's awesome. Aww, man. So, that's fun. That'll be good times. But I'm thinking maybe Friday itself. Uh, I I I'm got a little bit of a craving for the lovely summertime the watermelon beer they do at Twenty First Amendment. Um, a big big fan. I'm of thinking that beer. might have to happen like as a midday or mid afternoon thing sure. on Friday. I can see that. I can that, totally see that. That might for the four people that are actually were in the office <laughs> right, that day. Right. Right. Well, that's but, uh, cool. I love the watermelon beer there. Yeah, it's that's, good, isn't it? It's I've I've Instagrammed it. It's one of my favorite. Yeah. Everyone knows. Fresh. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. High price. High price. The the Naomi Kyle Instagram. That's right. (laughs) So I am curious how everyone's, you know, we we, uh, obviously have a very different experience than than most people when games come out because we are afforded the unique privilege of of usually getting them ahead of time and working on them for review and, and whatnot. 
So I'm curious what uh, all the listeners' Grand Theft Auto Five midnight line experiences were, and uh, or however you ended up with the game. Did you call in sick? Did you play hooky? What'd you do? Drop us a line. Unlocked at IGN.com. I want to hear some good Grand Theft Auto Five release night slash release day stories. Because now, Steve, you only just started playing yourself. Actually, I didn't have a chance to you play. You still last haven't night. played. I, for, I got my copy yesterday and went home and had, as you know, as a family guy, had other stuff. Yeah. kind of. Come I saw up. you pop mm-hmm. online though. Did you install the game no, on Xbox? I was just about to, and then I was like, <laughs> I, if I do this, I'm going to be up playing super late, and I gotta come into work tomorrow and, and be on my A game. So, uh, so I didn't. But uh, I have set aside the evening tonight after dinner. Kids are in bed. I'm playing the game. Excellent. Naomi, I know you got a little bit of a start as well. I did, thanks to you, Ryan. Well, thanks for lending me your copy. I'm bringing it in every day, <laughs> optimistically hoping that I'll get to play it. Right. Uh, but so far, it hasn't happened at all. I've got another review i got to work on now, oh, okay. which is like, oh, I guess I'll play a game not called Grand Theft Auto V if I have to. That's an <laughs> occupational hazard, right? I mean, you mentioned like, we, we get to play a lot of these games early, but sometimes there's a game you want to play and you can't because you've got to do yeah. some of this other stuff. Yeah, there's I mean, always something cry else me a to river, play. Right? I know. So, yeah. like, wah, wah. <laughs> well, you have your birthday weekend, Ryan, so maybe you'll get. Some no, time I have in to then. review this game. Oh, you really cannot. <laughs> okay, well, never mind that. So we'll see, but um, I think I'll find some time. I got a yeah. buddy. My buddy Brian is coming in from from Phoenix to hang out with me this weekend, so I think we'll we'll sneak some Grand Theft Auto Good. Five in there. I do want to talk a lot more about Grand Theft Auto Five. Uh, well, well, there's there's some news items related to it to cover in the news, but first. I'll tell the both of you, we play a little game. Naomi, you might have played this game once. We mm-hmm. do a little thing on this show now. We've been running it for five or six weeks called Get to Know Your Locksmiths. We, here on Podcast Unlocked, are your Aww, locksmiths. And clever. so in an effort to uh, you know, connect with the readers, uh, listeners rather in this case, a little better, we like to give a little something about ourselves that uh, gives a little insight into what makes a Steve Butts or a Naomi oh Kyle gosh. tick. <laughs> so last week it got a little dark. It was uh, we We did a game that got you through a really hard time in your life so mm-hmm. this week let's see let's go with something a little happier uh steve how about um let's see steve maybe first game you ever reviewed that you got paid to review wow first game i ever got paid to review um name and naomi for you it'll be maybe the first game you ever got paid to do a video about or some sort of something the first probably when I was working professionally. Yeah, okay, yeah. covered professionally. So, right. so I can't, uh, I can't tell which of these is the first, but I remember these being because you're the old. Because I'm super old. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're talking about. Uh, I first started doing this professionally full time uh, in 1998. So this is this is way back. Probably none of these games are relevant to anybody anymore. And, and for the listeners, uh, full clarity, you Steve, you started here as the PC guy. One of the channel editors at IGN back in the early, the very early IGN days. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, I was hired um, uh, because I had a degree in history, and I was good friends with IGN founders uh, Trent Ward and Tal Blevins, and uh, had you know personal turmoil in my life, and called them up because we were good friends in high school and, yeah. and, and best buddies, and they moved out to California and kind of lost touch, and said hey, I got some stuff going on in my life. And they said, what are you doing for work? And I told them, they said, quit your job, work full time for us. We'll get you through whatever this issue is in your life. Um, wow. And I did that for a couple of months and uh, things got resolved. And they said, um, why don't you come out here? 
Nice. And I said, yeah, sure. What they wanted is they wanted to hire Bill Trotter, who was the desktop general for A PC, PC Gamer. A PC Gamer, yeah. I remember um, his column every month. Yeah, and Bill Trotter and my dad were best friends when I was growing up. And Bill Trotter for PC Gamer wrote the strategy game column for yep. PC Gamer. And uh, our families would go on vacation together. So I got to hang out with Mr. Bill and talk about military history and games and stuff nice. like that. So when uh, when Simon Whitcomb, who was the guy in charge of IGN at the time, said, hey, we should hire somebody to cover strategy games. How about Bill Trotter? And they found out he wanted too much money. <laughs> Tal and Trent said, we got just the guy. We got, works cheap. We got Bill Jr., basically, who can come out here and uh, review all these war games for us. Um, but Who's is, laughing now, <laughs> right, Bill exactly, Trotter? Right? Where are you? <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, so the first jobs I, uh, I I got, or the first games I reviewed, you don't get the the pick, right? You don't no. get the cream of the crop. You get the crap that the staff editors don't want to do. So I reviewed uh, John Saul's Blackstone Chronicles, which was a... Um, I don't even know that one. Yeah, John Saul is a writer, and he writes these kind of horror novels. And somebody made an adventure game based on one of his books, and so I reviewed that. Uh, I also reviewed uh, Betrayal at Crondor, which is an RPG. I've heard of that. And uh, my favorite, though, uh, there was a there was a spate of like French racing games that came out around that time, and I got every single one of them I know that came out. We, <laughs> oui. uh, but my my f- probably the most notorious game that I reviewed during the first few months that I was doing this full time was uh, a game that was only available at Seven <laughs> Eleven, and it was wow. called it was called Jeff Gordon's Pepsi Racer. Wow. <laughs> Jeff yeah. Gordon, everybody. Yeah, so Woo! that's look, look how far I've come, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly they bet on the right horse. Right. Oh, yeah. uh, now here you are running the show. Well, that is that, see now I didn't even know any of that. There that is go. great insight yeah. into into the Steve. That's me. So uh, Naomi, I'll go to you. Right. Um. I guess. I mean, because I don't write reviews professionally, but um, I do have a blog on IGN, and yes. so. I guess uh, even though I worked for Gameloft in the past, I did play some of their little phone games and like never really had to write their about it. Copyright or talk about... infringing <laughs> cell phone games. Let's not go into that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I guess since working for IGN, one of the most the games that I just felt really compelled to start writing about was when um, I finished Mass Effect Three, and I was just so fascinated with the ending, and I had like my own take on it, and I wanted to like express my opinion yeah. about how I saw it. Um, I wrote like a two-parter blog about it, and I guess that was my first official. Well, d- that's that's cool. Do you remember though? The, after uh, what what was the first like for, first game you covered professionally? Like you were getting oh, paid you mean like to, talking just, about yeah, on camera a game or, on on Daily Fix? You mean like whatever I, it might have been? Yeah, I'm curious oh. if you remember. I don't. I mean, I could go back. I, you know, I actually have <laughs> all my own script. I have my old scripts, like. Because it was a bit of a weird transition for me, right? I started, um, they had a test run, like a one-week-long mm-hmm. test run with Pilot, me. yeah. Yeah, where I, I shot, shot the Daily Fix, um, like, here in studio, and it was it went live and everything. And then I only moved there, like, moved here to San Francisco, I mean, two, three months later. So, for me, like, the transition was a bit weird. It's hard to say when exactly that, that's, you know, yeah, official yeah. day one at IGN started, right? So I guess, I mean, I'll have to get back to you on that All one because right, I, I honestly, when, when you cover stories on The Fix, there's a slew of them. So, I mean, it, it, I'd yeah. have to really kind of you know what's funny narrow is, down my... <laughs> quick story is when I uh, was interviewing here at IGN, it was my second or third round of it, and you, I was doing a screen test. We put a lot, most if not all of our 
job candidates here, our editor candidates, through a screen test to see if you can be on video and not pee yourself mm-hmm. while you're doing it. I think it. it started with you. I think you were one of our first official. Well, yeah. Um, was, I just remember as I was going in, I ended up doing a quick impromptu conversation uh, with Greg because we'd mm-hmm. both been at a preview event to see some Batman uh, Arkham City DLC. And so it ended up being about that. But as I was going in, like, you were coming out, presumably from shooting the fix. And I remember I just was like, I just had my head down, like, I'm just like a nothing. I, just, oh, I know she's gosh, like the home. No. I'm just like, I'm just going to walk by <laughs> quietly. So oh, no. That's a, that's you a you walked in and you owned, you owned the place. That's... <laughs> well, clearly it couldn't have gone that horribly because I'm, I'm sitting here now. One of my first memories of you was uh, going on a press junket and you and I just happened to be there. And Is this I remember, Utah? I remember we were wearing the exact same <laughs> oh, yeah. shoes. And I was like, this guy has good taste in shoes. We're working together sometime, somehow, some way. That's I remember the that fit. as well. Yeah. What about you? What was your What was the first game you covered professionally? So Ryan? Uh, the one first one I got paid for because I, I actually um, Steve, you'll remember this. There was a what was for a long time a very very well regarded uh, game website called uh, the Adrenaline Vault. A Vault. Totally remember. Yeah. Um, which I managed to get right after I graduated college. Get briefly hired on as, but just I wasn't paid. It was mm-hmm. just like they I had sent in some samples and I said, okay, we'll give you a shot and. I actually got to do, believe it or not, a Warcraft three for them. That's a pretty wow. high profile title, right? Yeah, and like I gave it five stars. And they back that those guys. I mean, it was like a three thousand word review. Those that was back in the days of that. just no filter, like just let it all hang out. We're no, we don't we don't have any metrics to see if anyone's actually <laughs> paying attention by word. You know, right. t- two thousand thirty two. But um, but the first one I ever got paid for was you know. I, I got hired at Official Xbox Magazine shortly after college. It was uh, my, my break into the industry. And my first review was a BMX cycling game called Toxic Grind, <laughs> which was, you know, a sort of zombie monster themed. And it was not a bad game. It was, huh. it was pretty decent for a first, you know, for a first one that they were throwing the 22-year-old kid. Right. So Toxic Grind is one of those titles that sounds like it was made up by like a word generator. They're like probably throw two words. Well, remember together, right? this was the yeah 2002. Right. So it's like still the in the original Xbox days when the, the sort of whole extreme with an X lifestyle was, <laughs> right. was still to going on. So yeah, good stuff. Hmm. Good stuff, everybody. Yeah. All right, let's do some news. Talk some Grand Theft Auto Five here in just a second. This podcast is brought to you by Audible, a provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 titles to choose from. For listeners of Podcasts Unlocked, Audible is offering a free audiobook download when you sign up for a free 30-day trial. If you're not already quoting from it every day, may we suggest checking out Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. It's like The Matrix mixed with video games, Star Wars, and transforming Japanese robots. And we love it. To get started, head to audiblepodcast.com unlocked and follow the instructions to get your free audiobook. On with the show. IGN's Xbox 360 Podcast, the Podcast Unlocked presents the News Unlocked! All right, let's do the news. News Unlocked. Steve, let's kick off with, uh, well, the elephant in the room. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> it's uh, Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah. The biggest thing of the entire year, and probably the biggest thing of the past couple of years, I think, if not the generation itself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it definitely represents. This is, this is nuts. Generation. I mean, it, it is a seismic event mm-hmm. for this yeah. industry. There is no doubt about it. I mean, uh, you know, the New York Times will cover games from time to time, but they pick their spots very carefully. 
they had at embargo time review embargo on Monday, the day before the game came out. They were up with their review, which I still haven't read. I have it. I have it bookmarked and ready to go. But you know, New York Times is on it, and the uh, you know the entire world. It was trending on Twitter. I think one or two days before the game even came out. Yeah, wow. it's I mean, crazy. It, it transcends gaming, right? Like people it who does. are into GTA are not just gaming fans; they're they're pop culture fans. Like this yeah. is a pop culture event, so it makes total sense that it's seeing that kind of mainstream exposure. I'm I'm super gratified to see that as well. Right? Yeah. So, I, you know, the story broke today as we record here on Wednesday, our usual podcast unlocked recording day. Uh, Rockstar announced sale day one sales. This is global, uh, eight hundred million dollars day yep. one, almost a billion. That's, I mean, to put that in perspective, Call of Duty, the last one. I mean, Call of Duty obviously crushes it, makes billions every year. Call of Duty did a billion. It took them ten days to get to a billion dollars. My gosh, uh, at their fastest now. Um, it's like the analyst predicted. I don't know if anyone read up on that story, but yeah, yeah, I reported it, well, on the fix that you know the some analyst was like, "Hey, I predict in a week's time it's going to reach a billion, and lo and behold, yeah. day one, eight hundred million." A little <laughs> like, conservative there, sir. Yeah, yeah, he actually lowballed it a little. And Rockstar, I mean, obviously won't admit or they won't release this, but the budget for this game had to be hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, right? that's mm-hmm. the thing that you know you can't. I don't know if you can trust these things, but the word on the street take it or leave it, was that it was had a $250 million development, development budget, which I actually buy. I'm not surprised I by mean, that, I, no. I've, in my, I mean, I've heard some things over the years of how much certain games cost from people that would know. And five years of uh, with the sheer number of people that worked on the game and also the, the caliber of people. I mean, i got to figure the, the Rockstar North team, the thing, the thing I think that Part of what makes Grand Theft Auto so great, and I'm talking about the mainline Grand Theft Autos, is that the the team that leads Rockstar North is the same team that's been there mm-hmm. since GTA 3. David Jones left. He was the he sort of he was the guy that did GTA 3. But then you've got Sam Hauser, Dan Hauser, Leslie Benzies. Mm-hmm. You know, those are sort of the three key leads, and they've been there the whole way. I mean. In this business, just as in most businesses, you see a, a guy has a somebody has a big success or a team has a big success, and they they maybe go off to try their own thing. They want to get out of the right. shadow of what they're doing, or they just or whatever. There something happens where in, in, it, it inevitably doesn't last forever. But with G, with GTA, so far it has. I mean, this team has been together. They probably know each other like the back of their hands, and and I think that's a big asset in game development where you can just trust and sort of have a, a deep-down understanding of how your creative partners think and work and act. Um, and what would be their, I mean, reason for leaving, right? I mean, even if you look at the games that have copied this model, uh, like Infamous or um, Saints Row or even Skyrim, right? Like, I feel yeah. like uh, yeah. the Elder Scrolls games are, are kind of trying to do this open-world concept. Um, I don't feel like anybody does it with the quality and, and the budget, obviously, that somebody like Grand Theft Auto does. Yeah, well, that's a perfect segue, Steve, because I, yeah. think, I think the answer is... The only reason you would leave, because I'm sure these guys are extraordinarily well compensated in order to, sure. and we do stories every few years on IGN of oh, uh, Benzies and the Housers have re-upped their contract with right. with Take Two, so you know these guys are probably quite well compensated. And the only reason to leave that I could think of would be if you just didn't want to make Grand Theft Auto anymore. Right. Um, but and I but I think. Part of the reason that they haven't left, that they do want to keep making Grand Theft Auto, goes actually to my next point of discussion, mm-hmm. was uh, 
iterative releases versus longer development cycles like Grand Theft Auto. It's mm-hmm. five years between GTA 4 and GTA 5. Right. Whereas you contrast that with another big, with say the two other big examples in our industry right now are Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. Now those are those two series are huge every year, mm-hmm. and they're they're actually done by two development teams working. You know, e- each team releases a year, so they get they actually get two year yeah. development cycles each, and so each one's coming out a different year. One has the even years, one has the odd. Uh, whereas Rockstar North is one team that has worked for five years. And I, I'm, you know, to me, Grand Theft Auto V is a, is a great example of how creatively it's sure, it's sure refreshing to not be playing a game in a series every single year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your, what's your appreciation of the, of the role of games like L.A. Noir or Red Dead Redemption in that? Like, do you feel that influences... Uh, how they develop Grand Theft Auto, or there's any sort of learning shared among those games? Well, I think, yeah, 5 is is evidence of that. You see a lot of Max Payne shooting right. mechanics that are in uh, that are in Grand Theft Auto 5 and some of the, you know, maybe better driving mechanics from maybe things like Midnight Club or or maybe just things they've, they've adapted. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but I'm sort of talking purely from a, from a time of development standpoint of, you know, is it even possible for an Assassin's Creed or a Call of Duty to do to make the kind of leap that GTA makes from four to five on on the current development model that that GTA that uh, Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed use? I don't know. I mean, the the one of the things that makes GTA what it is is this go anywhere, do anything attitude, right? And, and Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed, I think, have different problems. Call of Duty has the problem of having to be much more linear and much more scripted in right. terms of what it presents. And yeah. Call of Duty has complete freedom from any need of narrative context whatsoever. I mean, Call of Duty is essentially a multiplayer shooter without a story. Right? <laughs> that's, that's what they're selling people. There's a single-player component, of course, and they always make a big deal out of it in the right. demos. But I don't think that's what's driving the popularity of that franchise. I feel like that's driven mostly by the gameplay, which is online. Um, but GTA has this the, – the proposition in GTA is so wonderfully empowering, right? Um, you can go anywhere. You can do anything you want. You can get on a mountain bike and ride up to the top of a mountain. You can climb. And it's the attention to detail, too, I think, oh, that yes. is so and, beautiful in this game. And just the execution. And they've had Everything. years to perfect this, yeah. right? But, but that's sort of my point is think about what kind of Assassin's Creed game or Call of Duty game could, could be they made make, yeah. if given five years. Five years, yeah. Mm-hmm. What would that game look like? And I are, I would argue that we will never see that game, and that game is impossible. And we are sort of stuck with iterative releases. I mean, yeah, Call of Duty gets a little better every year. Assassin's Creed gets a little better. Cause, but I just don't think we're ever going to see the creative leap that we see with Grand Theft Auto. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's a little unfortunate f- for the industry mostly from a creative perspective from us as gamers it's sad that we're sort of i feel like we're a bit on we're kind of on the hamster wheel mm-hmm. with a lot of these series whereas GTA 5 is you play it and you're just like wow this is this is what this is what happens when a ta- when a top talented development team gets unlimited money and <laughs> uh, and virtually unlimited time time to right. do it yeah whereas uh you know Activision has Treyarch and Infinity Ward 
at at whipping distance at all times. Sure. Like you've got a hard deadline. You have you have two years, mm-hmm. and that's it. And it's going to be every two years for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is weird because neither uh, Activision um, nor Ubisoft, I feel like, needs to release titles with that kind of frequency in I, order to keep the lights on. Right. Well, I would beg to differ. Really? Actually, I mean, it seems like I mean that's sort of Activision's model is to annualize until it burns to the ground. I mean, we saw that with Tony Hawk. We saw that with Guitar Hero. Sure. Mm. Um, sure. We may be seeing that with Skylanders, honestly. Like, we like are seeing that with Skylanders, four. and we're seeing that with Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. Uh, every It's every year without... Fa- I mean, we're up to Assassin's Creed 4, mm-hmm. but it's actually Assassin's Creed 6. Right, because, with Brotherhood and Revelation. Yeah, which were and, yeah. full games. They were right. They were within the same story arc, but they were full games unto themselves. And it's well, I think Ubisoft's kind of taking the route of just creating different, um, more creative games aside, not focusing on one franchise. You know what yeah. I mean? They're trying to, with Watch Dogs and a bunch of other ones, they're trying to kind like, of up their game in terms of like new IPs and trying to get just more creative things out there. I do feel that like even games like Watch Dogs and The Division are basically Assassin's Creed games. Yeah. They just look a little different. Like the to a I can see that, yeah. yeah. But I do feel, I mean, you make a really great point with, with Tony Hawk and Guitar Hero. And, and when I asked um, Eric Hirschberg about the Skylanders thing. He's said, the VP of marketing at Activision, yeah. a real real high, high up dude. Yeah, I said, you know, I, I worry about this. Do you feel like you can maintain enough uh, um, innovation in the gameplay design? And he said, look, as long as there's demand for these games, we're going to keep making them. Which mm. is which is suit speak for as long as it's making money, we don't give a crap. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's how I yeah. take that. And I, I think... You know, maybe Rockstar has that same mentality, but at least they're able to give you something like a cowboy adventure or something a little bit different that's not just the same Grand Theft Auto every right. year, right? And gives them a little more time to uh, refine the model, to think about what new things they want to add. And it gives time for the market to get hungry for the next one. And that's, that's my that, problem. That, that's my problem with Call of Duty. That's and, and you hit on a big point, Steve, and that's – I mean, to be clear, I don't fault Ubisoft or Activision at all. I mean – because if I'm sure if you added up the numbers, okay, we're at 800 million in a day for Grand Theft Auto Five, <laughs> and it'll cap out at billion, you know, however many billion it gets to. But five Call of Duties have come out in the same time one Grand Theft Auto has, and I'm sure that those five Call of Duties meet or quite probably exceed the take of GTA Five in five years. Mm-hmm. So I don't fault the business model, but it's right to what you just said, Steve, and that's. I think part of what makes Grand Theft Auto V so exciting as gamers mm-hmm. is it is an event. It's not something that's just on the calendar for every November 5th, mm-hmm. every single damn year. It's like, wow, this is a new Grand Theft Auto. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? What are they going to, you know, the mystery and the, you know, uh, they're, you know, in effect, sort of playing a little hard to get. Sure. Mm-hmm. They're not just like standing on the street corner going, Hey, baby, <laughs> you know where to find me. It's like you mentioned your pizza place, right? Like, if you ate there every day, it would be a little less special. Yeah. What you need is some days in between where you're yes. not having that pizza, right? Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about this, which is why I'm glad that Rockstar is able to take a little bit more time and let uh, let my anticipation for that game build up. Because, like, a new Assassin's Creed comes out, and as much as I love that series, like, I really, I'm good. Like, I don't necessarily yeah. need another yeah. one right now, you know? <laughs> no, I, and, I'm, and I'm right with you. I mean, I uh, love, I, I played all of Assassin's Creed 1. Like, hey, great new idea here. And it kind of was four hours of the same content recycled three times. So right. it's like Assassin's Creed 2, phenomenal. We fixed a lot of those issues. Great game. 
And then I actually didn't play the rest of the Ezio trilogy because right. I was just – and it wasn't because they were bad games. I was just numb yeah. at that point. I just didn't have any excitement mm-hmm. built up. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, so let's see here. The other thing I wanted to mention uh, – oh, so, yeah, I wanted to talk – Naomi, you you know, you the, one of the – the reviews all hit for Grand Theft Auto V this week. Right. It's currently the highest rated game of all time. Uh, and I've only played about 10 hours, but I can see why. I yeah. Mean, uh, our review uh, on IGN, Keza McDonald, our reviewer, did a fantastic job. And Love really, her review. I mean, she gave it a 10 and yeah. fully justified it. And uh, there's, I, I don't argue with her at all. But some of the reviews and some of the conversation has revolved around uh, Grand Theft Auto V. Accusations of misogyny, of it just being uh, very, you know, if not unfair, just uh, poorly uh, representative of women and the female perspective and how the game portrays women and represents them. Yeah, I'm curious what your what your take on it is. Well, I mean, one example that I I only got to play a good hour and a half, I think, today. So, um, but. There, there was this one part you get to see Franklin's, I guess, what, what is she, his aunt or, or mother? Um, I don't know. You, you go to his, his oh, house, yeah, and then I, she's, she's sure. just yeah, on the couch watching TV. Figure, Bear- yes. Yeah. Um, she goes out, and she's, like, going out jogging with her buddy, and she's, you know, I guess not in shape. And so it was just this, like, she, they're, they're total side characters, I think, in this game, which is a little, you know, for me as a female gamer, kind of a bummer. You know, I'd rather see more of a... At, at least some female characters, uh, at least a strong female role or something right. that's more involved in the story as opposed to just kind of a side thing. Do you, do like, you, they're there and let's yeah, move so, on. <laughs> so you are a little bothered by it. You're, yeah. Do you, do you buy Rockstar's... I haven't played the full game yet, right. so maybe I'm jumping the gun here. Do you buy that, Rockstar's but... explanation from a couple weeks ago that, that a female character couldn't have been the lead in this game because it was all about the sort of male... I forget what the hell the explanation was. Oh. Yeah, it was a little weird, wasn't it? I, 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 I mean, just it. from that, I can tell you that that's <laughs> totally unjustified. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, why not? Like, why not have a, a strong female character? Women, um, it's, again, the same conversation that we had about the Call of Duty thing uh, when the last yeah, podcast I was the, on. The, the, uh, the yeah, stabbing killing, killing of a female woman. female players in yeah. multiplayer. I mean, I just think it's like, why not have somebody be, like... Even if she's, like, a bitch or if she's just, like, kind of this tough tomboy chick. Like, right. it, just the fact that there's a female there would have been so much, like, just pleasing for me to be able to see that. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, like, just, I don't know. As long, you know, because the, the argument has been made, uh, or you know, that all that, oh, the women are uh, represented poorly and they're they're not great people in the game, but. The, the, the counter to that that we've sort of talked about a little in the office is, well, neither none of the men, no one in Grand Theft Auto is a good person. No That's one right. in Grand Theft Auto V. So you're just saying you're fine if she's – If she's you, just another one it, of the dudes. As you put it, if she's a bitch. Yeah. As long as, but as, long as she, it's given equal treatment. She's, exactly. She's you know, in the spotlight, and she can be uh, an asshole just like – the, right. ma- the male character. Exactly. Can be. I mean, make uh, Franklin a, a girl, or or have that option to play him as a male or female. Right. Like, just simple things like that that you know can include us a little. Do more. you think it'll happen in a future Grand Theft Auto game? Um, I think it's the discussions there, and I think people are definitely gonna look at that next time they they go I agree. at it. Yeah. I agree. I'm, I'm hoping. I mean, 
there's always that hope for any game. I mean, I loved Sleeping Dogs, and it, it was a male character and a yeah. male cast for the most part. So. Well, and it's almost um, – I hate to phrase it this way because I don't mean it in a bad way, but it's almost like going with the strong female character is seemingly the – where else – you know, that's the one frontier that Rockstar hasn't, <laughs> right. hasn't ventured to yet with right. this series. Yeah, and I think with Sleeping Dogs, it was like more of a story thing. I mean, depending on how they approach the game, if they want it, if it's more a story that they want to tell and yeah. they want it to be from a male or female perspective, then I totally understand. But a game like GTA V, where you can have the option, it seems like there would be room to have the option to play either as a male or female or have that be an integral part of the story or just the gameplay, like the, the game yeah. in general. I mean, it could, you know, there's room for it. When I, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see if they ever take that yeah, on. I mean, when I was playing the game last night, I uh, finished the first heist, and I was celebrating at a strip club as Franklin, <laughs> and I got a private dance from a from a yeah. dancer, got her to like me enough, mm-hmm. and took her took her or she took me back to her place, and you know, stuff happened. Why, <laughs> that stuff why, happened. Why couldn't that have been? That could have just as easily been a. A female player character yeah, taking yeah. a taking a dancer back home. Yeah, there is so much. That's a game like GTA Five, or I don't know. What's another good example? Even Skyrim has that option, right, to play as a, as sure. a girl. It's it's that open world feel yeah. where there's there's definitely room for some uh, some ladies. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the justification that it's that the story means that they can't have a female character, yeah. right? Like, I would have bought that if it had been L.A. Noir, where they're like, look, like, we want to tell the story of a cop and a war yeah. hero, and it's just like, yeah. it would be inaccurate for us to try to pr- portray this person as a female, right? Right. Um, but in GTA, like a modern It seems like it would make sense. About criminals, like, ladies can totally participate oh, yeah. in that, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm not sure if it's, if, the, if it's that they worry that the market won't respond as favorably to that, you know? Yeah, I mean, that... that There's still that, that understanding in, the, yeah, the industry that... There's not that many girls playing games. Well, I think and I no. Think the, they the, try to appeal as much. I think to what it. Steve might have been getting at was there's there's been a there's been a uh, thought in the industry that games with female protagonists don't sell as well yep. because but, because the you know the idiot chauvinists buying them yeah. don't want that. But I, I I think Tomb Raider has proved proven that wrong. Tomb Raider, this, this Mass Effect Three, sure. One of the strongest characters in that entire game is Femme when you Chef. play as Femshep. Absolutely, with a reversible cover. But which character was on the side of the cover they shipped it? Yeah, with, it was right. It was the male. In order male to get the female Shep, on the cover, yeah. you actually had to do something after buying the game. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I do feel like on the shelf, like that probably matters in the market. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that it should. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's unfortunate. But I think I think that does. That does dictate some of these decisions, as sad as that is to say, yeah. in 2013. S- Steve, what do you think? Do you think we're ever heading to – like, are we doing anything to kind of have that soon be different? Like, are we – Are we? is there a changeover? Is there a process right now? Or is there something happening in the industry that you kind of foresee sure. this not being I think there are a couple issue? things happening. I mean, first off, gaming is becoming more popular, right? Yeah. Yes. A, a greater variety of people are gaming, and I think that's great. Right. Um. Second, women are getting more of a voice within the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, third, a lot of the people who write about games and who make games are now becoming parents. Yeah. And sometimes, as in our case, they're parents of little girls. Yeah. Right? And so I'm super sensitive to that. I have thought since my daughter was born how much less likely it is that something cool that happens to me as part of my day-to-day work is relevant to her. Right. Than it is to my son. Mm-hmm. Right. And to me, it's just it, – it couldn't be more black and white, right? Like, 
this industry is more geared to serve, uh, at least the parts of it that I interact with, to serve the interests and, and uh, dispositions of little boys and little girls, mm-hmm. right? And so I have to make a little bit of an extra effort. And you can totally find that content. Like, it's out there. And I don't want to make this at all a sexist thing, but, like, I think in general, uh, and individuals, are, of course, are exempt from this, uh, males are attracted to things that don't necessarily attract females. Right. To the same mm-hmm. extent, right? Like, yeah. my, my wife plays very different games than I do. That's true. Um, and my son likes different types of games than my daughter does. And, and they're under 10 years old, right? Right. So, I don't know. I, I, f- I feel like that is changing. Um, I think as this industry matures, we're just going to have to be more inclusive about what we consider uh, the, the term gamer to mean. Right. And if there's um, if there's an oppor- if there's an opportunity to make money off of those changes, then we're going to see it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like right. The, like the the development follows the money. The money. Yeah. So if girls are out there and buying games and demanding certain types of content, the the development industry will automatically right. respond. And as, and then the media as well, and then it'll just kind of all. Yeah. trickle down. We do, though, have an opportunity, I think, now to sort of confront um, narrow-mindedness. And, and, and Is there a responsibility, as, since you're a writer and you're in the news and, and media world of things, is there a responsibility, you think, on your part to kind of just have that be, that perspective that, you know, gamer's not just a male, it's a female as well? Sure, yeah. I mean, we have to be careful about what we do, right? Because we have a, a tremendous responsibility in the positions that the three of us are in. Yeah. Um, and we can use that to advocate for change that we'd like to see, or we can just use that to contextualize the current state of the industry and allow readers and developers to draw their own conclusions about what they ought to do to change things. Right. right? Um, for example, this, this whole thing about misogyny, right? There's a really interesting discussion to be had about this because uh, as with the violence in the game and this uh, notion that you're playing a criminal and you're actually being like a terrible person, like Ryan said, like yeah. nobody yeah. in this game is a good guy. Right. Um, you know, uh, um, a mainstream media outlet will look at that, that kind of salacious content and say, this is terrible. Like who? Oh, it's how, already happened. Yeah how, yeah. how could this possibly be GTA aspirational kind of for, for a healthy mm-hmm. person? Mm-hmm. If you have... The, if you have uh, a responsible sense of, 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 of uh, social obligation and respect for other people, like why would you want to play a game where you go to a strip club and beat up hookers <laughs> and stuff like that? Like, that doesn't seem like something a, a regular person would do, right? Right. Uh, and the, the defense of that on Rockstar's part and on part of many gamers is, oh, well, it's a satire. But the problem with satire is if it's done really well, you can't tell if it's being satirical or not, right? Right. Like, it's it's a problem a lot of people have with Stephen Colbert, right? I had a friend yes. of mine who actually thought Stephen Colbert was, was legitimately real? that guy that he played. <laughs> and it's because he does it so well. And I feel like Rockstar can say, oh, it's just a joke. But the joke is so well done yeah. that it's hard Even to tell if they're really joking, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe they actually don't like women, right? Right. I don't, I don't suspect that's the case. But no. But I get why people have that uh, that response, right. and I can't, right. I can't fault them for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one final Xbox note here on an Xbox podcast, Podcast Unlocked, is that uh, word has come down from Rockstar and corroborated by uh, those in the know in the industry, people like Digital Foundry, that uh, do not install the play disc as you are playing Grand Theft Auto V on your Xbox 360, it of course requires an 8 gig installation. It ships on two discs, as many of you have found out. The one, first disc, disc one, is the mandatory install disc. Do not install the second disc. Why is that? Uh, your your performance will suffer. The reason is GTA 5 uh, is designed such that it's uh, you've got your core required amount of install installed data, that 8 gigs, and the game is accessing that 
off of the hard drive at all times. And uh, if if you install the play disc, you're asking the hard drive to effectively do two things at once. Oh. Whereas oh. the DVD is sort of the DVD drive can is sort of uh, sharing the load, as it were. If so, so this is a rare case where because I install every 360 game I, that I'm going to be spending a decent amount of time with, and obviously GTA I plan to spend a lot of time with. Sure. <laughs> but this is a case uh, we saw this with Halo 3 as well. Just in some rare cases, the way games are designed, they're actually designed to be most effective to to optimally run off of the disc. So GTA 5 falls into that category. Uh, so just be aware of that as you're playing. And it's funny that. Um, GTA 5 requiring an 8 gigabyte installation is such a sign of of uh, the fact that we're at the end of the generation. And what I mean <laughs> what I mean by that right. is Microsoft back in 2005, 2006, 2007 would never ever have gone for this. They would never would have allowed a developer to require an 8 gigabyte installation because they were pushing those arcade units. They were you yeah. know it's like, you know, we not everybody has a hard drive. Now they're like we don't care. Like, just d- make whatever awesome game you can make. We'll just sell people accessories, and if we lose out on a couple people, so be it. But I feel like Microsoft never would have made this exception back in the early days of Xbox. Well, I think I still have in a drawer in my office somewhere my original 4-gigabyte hard drive. Like, if, <laughs> like, you're just out of luck at that point. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So buy a buy a 16-gig USB stick, and you'll be all set <laughs> for, like, 20 or $30. All right, a few other news stories that aren't Grand Theft Auto V related this week. Call of Duty Ghosts, we were just talking a bit about Call of Duty, but uh, they're doing something smart. Again, Steve, we, we did say that they're a very smart company, you know, even though we may bemoan the lack of innovation year in and year out from Call of Duty, that Activision knows how to run themselves a business and make money, which at the end of the day is what keeps the shareholders happy and what keeps the lights on at said <laughs> publishers. They're doing a $10 upgrade program. For Call of Duty Ghosts, so if you, because uh, there are no doubt going to be a lot of Xbox gamers out there who are buying Xbox One and maybe are buying it on launch day, November 22nd, but the game comes out for Xbox 360 on November 5th. Mm-hmm. So they're saying uh, if you buy it for 360, we'll let you upgrade to the Xbox One version for an extra $10. So you can do this with discs at uh, GameStop. Or you can do it digitally, uh, through you know through it's just through Microsoft through the through Xbox Live, where seventy dollars will get you a digital download of the 360 version and then a digital download of the Xbox One version on November 22nd. And I just I think this is in, incredibly smart. I mean, maybe it seems obvious, mm-hmm. but you know, kudos to them for and and. Pretty much all the big publishers are doing this, this sort of upgrade program, including Microsoft themselves, where, you know, they're seeing the bigger picture of, okay, well, you know, maybe short term, we could have tried to milk people to buy the same game twice. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, let's get, let's get them to buy Call of Duty. Let's get, a, let's get $120 out of them oh this year. Oh, my gosh. Right. But they're seeing the bigger picture of, well, I think, you know, they'll, they'll probably stand to make a lot more money by making it this easy. Like, oh, you mean... So I can play it as usual on 360 with all my friends on day one. But then, oh, I'm going to get my Xbox One. And then, oh, just 10 bucks more for the Xbox version? Sure. Who wouldn't do that? Yeah. It seems pretty pretty easy and obvious enough. Yeah. 
Well, it's smart. I mean, it, yeah. it allows them to move their players as needed among yes. both generations, right? And one of the big concerns for a lot of uh, a lot of clans and a lot of groups of friends when the uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One were announced were, hey, if we're all playing together on the Xbox 360, we all have to buy the same thing if we're going to keep playing together in the right. new generation, right? And this eliminates at least one of those barriers. So it's like, look, we all have the old console, we can play the old game, and we've got the new one. It's 10 bucks for us all to get together and see what's up with uh, the Xbox One version. I think that's really smart. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. A, a lot of the quality of that experience is going to be based on the number of players that you can have. That's true. In that and, community. you know, in Call of Duty's case in particular, you're going to get the 360 experience that you've generally been getting and whatever Ghosts ends up offering. But uh, if you do move up to Xbox One, you're getting dedicated servers on the Xbox One version of, of Ghosts, which will be a big appeal to a lot of the hardcore Call of Duty guys because mm-hmm. that's going to, you know, probably guarantee a much smoother. Uh, more fun online experience. And if you got the game and you buy an Xbox One, hey, guess what? Ten more bucks gets you Call of Duty, right? I mean, yeah. who's not going to take them up on that? Yeah, very true. Uh, oh, check out community.callofduty.com for more details on that one. And let's see here. Uh, Rise, Son of Rome. Steve, not your favorite <laughs> Xbox uh. One launch title. I'm <laughs> not as enthusiastic about that as some other people. Like, you know, the the combat to me still feels very narrow and, and restrictive. I know that you played it in like Yeah, this more one. recently. And yeah. it's it does – they have made some changes since you last saw the game. But, yeah, they clearly want Rise to be the, the Gears of War mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of the launch. And it's – just not showing that so <laughs> yeah. far. It's a, a rough start. With for them. the caveat being, we haven't seen it. So they've they've sort of changed the combat a bit, but we haven't seen it in the context of a real mission of the game. You know, right. oh. we actually haven't seen a real mission of the game ever because when they debuted it at E3 at the Microsoft press briefing, and then with that same we got to play that same bit at E3, they said it was a sort of sped up version where it took fewer hits to kill people. For the purposes of the presentation. Oh, I see. Uh, and then at when we, you know, you saw, and then you saw it again at Comic Con mm-hmm. under the sort of similar circumstances. And then at Gamescom, it was okay. We, we've we've changed the combat system a bit, but you're, they showed a uh, a sort of combat test area. It wasn't a real mission from the game, like the you know storming the beach thing we saw at E3. And then we also saw the two player co op multiplayer mode, which is very different than the campaign as well. So we still here it's we're two months out from launch and we still haven't seen a real definitive this is what a level from Rise is like. Mm-hmm. Which is a little strange to me. Uh, but the news today or this week rather was that uh for you technophiles, called uh, Rise <laughs> Son of Rome is confirmed it will not run at ten eighty P native, which you know some next gen games are doing, others uh not like Forza 5, 1080, 1080p at 60 frames a second. That's what everybody wants. Rise will run at 900p. A little bit of an odd resolution. A little higher than 720, less than 1080, and at 30 frames a second. That second, that second number is the one I really care about. Right? Yep. And and I think a lot of gamers probably would feel the same way if they were able to sort of A-B test these things. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the smoothness of that game is, uh, is, is crucial. It's, it's a combat game, right? It is. So you have to, you have, to have that level of, uh, of control and, and this feeling that, like, your inputs are automatically being rendered there on the screen. And 30 frames per second is more than enough for that. It's something like, um, 
you know, like Batman Arkham Origins, right? Like the combat in this game. That game is what you're so going good. for, you know? Um, but they told me with Rise, they said, you know, what we're, we really want to sell is like the the emotional content of these battles, like by showing you the guys' faces and everything. Right. So I, I think 900p uh, is going to be more than enough to mm-hmm. accomplish their goals. And then it will be upscaled to right. 1080p by the system's internal right. hardware. The Xbox One hardware. Have you have you seen Rise yet, Naomi? I, yeah, I actually did get to play it um, at Comic Con as well. So talk about a game with no women in it, huh? Right, Bunch of it's total dude fest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I agree. Some of it was a bit weird and wonky to play. Um, I did not like the combat system at all, um, mm. and I had a pretty wonky experience with it. But. Uh, and I didn't know that the emotional aspect was kind of a big thing for them. I didn't know that that was some like to be able to see the faces when you're that's so when you go like in a, for the kill. Sounds like a PR talking point. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't see it as a type of game yet, or it's not, it doesn't seem to me like that's something that I would want to buy the game for. Um, it would just be to to see what it's about and then to kind of get that uh, Rome feel. The, the, yeah, the thing about Rise to me though is that I I want to like it. I really do. I love the setting. I love the idea of it, of a mm-hmm. sort of brutal Roman gladiator combat game. Uh, and we, and I'm, I'm holding out hope be, specifically because, as I said, we haven't seen a real level. Like, in, in proper context, with all the final combat, uh, you know, systems in place. So hopefully we'll be afforded that opportunity soon and can really get a, a concrete idea of, is this game going to be... A six, <laughs> or is it? <laughs> right. you know, or does it have does it have higher potential? And finally, this week in the news, uh, for you biz folks, which I love to keep track of what's happening in the uh, in the boardrooms of the industry because it does trickle down to the games themselves. Mm-hmm. EA has finally named a new executive after John uh, Richitello. Richitello, I, that's that's what I was going to say, and then I, I get gun shy with his name. <laughs> <laughs> he stepped down some months back. Andrew Wilson, who was who's been running EA Sports, will be elevated. A lot of people thought maybe Peter Moore, former head of, head of the Xbox division at Microsoft, who went to EA to run EA Sport. Uh, yes, EA Sports, and now he's been bumped up. He is the COO, I think, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. But it will not be Peter Moore. It's it's Andrew Wilson, who will who will be uh, taking over EA and running the company. He his, he uh, left an interesting quote. He said his goal is to quote. Uh, continued transformation for our digital future, delivering amazing games and services across platforms, and instilling instilling a culture of execution that will drive profitable growth. I don't know what a culture of execution is. <laughs> is he going to start killing people? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, I, I I expected Peter Moore too, but the more I thought about it, the more I I wasn't surprised that it wasn't him. And I'm wondering if he was offered the job and said no. I, that's what I think. That's what I think, too. I mean, to me, I feel like he can probably have more success doing what he's doing right now than he could ever possibly hope to have a CEO. Yeah. And given what's happened to some of his predecessors, uh, I can't fault him for that at I all. I wish Peter were still running Xbox. Quite <laughs> right. He, uh, he, he you know, seemed to have a good grip on on growing and, and making that platform thrive from a, you know from the top down. Yeah. But um, – but yeah, the one thing about Andrew Wilson, I don't know much about the guy. Yeah, I was going to ask. Other him. than his salary, which was, you know, this, it's weird that those things get published. Right. I mean, I yeah. would feel I would feel weird if my salary. I'd were be out super there. awkward. Wouldn't it? I mean, maybe when colleagues. you're making maybe when you're making that much, you don't care. Right. Because he's making for those of you curious, as everyone absolutely is right now, as they're sitting there listening to their podcast, eight hundred grand a year. 
Yeah. Not a, not a bad take. And there's got to be all sorts of bonuses. Mega bonuses. sharing, things like that. But what's interesting is he also sold all of his EA stock in May. Which was a bad, oh. you know, it's never a good sign when you see a key person in the company just Sell clean everything. out their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a little <laughs> unusual to see a guy do that to the tune of, I think, like six or $700,000. Wow. Um, and then the board of directors or whoever says, you're our guy. We definitely want you in charge <laughs> of this ship because you clearly had no confidence in this company back in <laughs> But uh, the Came one crawling the one, back. The one thing I think Wilson has going for him, I know it's not solely his, his – uh, he doesn't solely get the credit, but you know it is did happen under his watch. FIFA mm-hmm. went from a decent soccer brand to the single biggest thing EA does every year. It's well oh. surpassed Madden and turned into a global juggernaut of an annual franchise. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he can apply those same sorts of successes to to other things in the EA lineup. It'll be interesting to see what he does. I mean, FIFA is a great. Uh a great sort of franchise to work on this, but you know, we've been talking a lot about games moving to more of a service based model than yeah. a product based model, right? And FIFA and Madden, these annualized installments, something like Call of Duty, where you pay 10 bucks and get the next gen version, uh, they're, they I think, uh, our first uh, inkling that uh, this change is coming over the next few years. I mean, yeah. Madden may not be something you go pay $60 for every year, it may be right. something you pay. You know, $60 a year for, and it's just a service that gets streamed to you. And you get roster updates and game night updates and things like that. And um, to have somebody who worked closely with Tiburon and some of the sports franchises be in charge of the company, I think he'll get that. uh, I think he'll he'll be able to um, articulate that vision in a a very clear way. So I'm I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. I'll tell you what, Steve, to your point, too, because you've you've actually said that. I've heard you say that a number of times. You've you've given that specific example where you see Madden as, as being a service. That you just pay for annually, right? Uh, over time, or even maybe even monthly. Who knows? Sure. But uh, to your point, I actually think that annual that uh, turning Madden into a service and other sports games would actually benefit gamers. And the reason I feel that way is because as it is now, sports developers probably have it the hardest of anyone in this industry because they have nine months. Essentially, it is an, it is yeah. a nine month development yeah. cycle every year because the final three months are testing and polish and certification, you actually get only get really nine months of real development time every year yeah. to make the next game. Like, for instance, uh, you know, you've got the next big sports release is NBA 2K14. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a next-gen version, but let's just set that aside for – because it's, you know, it's a once-every-eight-years scenario that we're in now. <laughs> we're, so those guys, uh, it's September 18th. And NBA 2K is out on October 1st. That means NBA 2K is done, and those guys, aside from maybe a week or two vacation, are already working on the next game, yeah. which they'll have to stop working on. It, that game will effectively be done, aside from you know the testing and the and the polish phase, about uh, next, really like probably August. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's it's such a it's a it's a difficult cycle. It's difficult conditions to work on. So, if if it's a service that just evolves over time, it allows them to say, okay, for the next three months, we're going to focus on we're going to rewrite the physics system for Madden, and then they can just deploy that as okay. It's you know it's uh, January fourth. We've got our physics system ready to go and we have updated the game to include that and it will I think it'll allow you know it takes a lot of that those three 
for lack of a better term, wasted months yep. of of the you know of the testing and the all that stuff that doesn't actually get you any new features and allows it to be spent on new features. Yeah. So I think it's sports games as a service is a good thing. I think it is too. I mean, uh, George Lucas once said, and I don't know if he came up with this, but he was the first person I heard say this, that you know, movies are never finished. They're just eventually abandoned, right? <laughs> they have to get out. And I feel like there's a huge problem with the sports games, right? Yeah. Because you have to – I mean, there's, there's a calendar completely outside of video games that you have to adhere to. Um, and I'm sure that you know Madden 2014 is going to be full of ideas they tried to get into Madden 25 that just couldn't make it, right? Yep. And it leads to this really weird thing, uh, Naomi, where you go to a demo for the new Madden game, and they spend <laughs> 20 minutes just trashing the old game, talking yep. about how terrible the AI oh, was, and oh how the gosh. physics were awful, and you feel like, why are you guys doing this? Like, right. You told us the same thing last year <laughs> about the previous game and promised that the current version would be yep. better. And it's like every year it's the same dance. So if it's it this ever-evolving thing, it just seems like, have, yeah. yeah, you won't have to go back and like think of, oh, well, this was shitty. Because, I mean, you don't really <laughs> remember at that point because you've already been updating like consistently throughout the year. It's always one of the most uncomfortable demos. You that is so weird. They do, and they Sorry, do guys, NHL, I have to go through that. And NBA, and <laughs> so all like, wait, you knew you shipped bad AI? <laughs> and you didn't tell me? You left me to figure it out on my own after I gave you my sixty dollars. <laughs> Wait a second. Uh, well, that's uh, that's a good roundup of the Xbox news yeah. for this week. Naomi, I'm going to go to you Yay. for the marketplace report this All week right. on Podcast Unlock. What can we spend our money on, both at the store and mm-hmm. on the digital store? Well, here, uh, so we're going retail first? You bet. Something killed Grand Theft Auto V. Hmm, never heard of such a game. Who would call a game V? That's I don't weird. know. Sounds so mysterious. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> what did you write here? I can't imagine that would catch on. <laughs> well, I, I, I was going to say Jan- Grand Theft Auto V before <laughs> we even started talking about it. Um, also, Hot Wheels World's best driver for forty dollars. So that's the game. That there's always one, right, Steve? <laughs> or there's there's a there's a juggernaut titan right. of a release, and there's always some other game some that's random. Like, we'll just put game. our game out then. Right. It's fine. <laughs> Why even bother? Hot Wheels World's Best Driver. Think uh, of the like, children. Like, hey, are you looking for a good driving game yeah. this week? <laughs> we got one for you. Like, well, both games have cars. So. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, how about over on Live Arcade and the Marketplace, Naomi? XBLA, you can find Foul Play for $15 uh, before you write it off. Dig the neat description and read the IGN review, which you wrote on this paper. I'm not sure if I was supposed to say. Yeah, no, this is uh, um, the, 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 the product description. I just, you know, I, I yeah. saw the title of this game as I was putting together the show. I, hadn't, I have not heard of Foul Play. Mm-hmm. This is, I'm paid to cover Xbox, Steve. Okay. And I have to admit... This is a game I'm not even heard of. We're so here's what it's about. This. However, fortunately, our reviews editor, Dan Stapleton, is more on the ball than me. <laughs> there, there is a review on IGN. This game got uh, over an 8, an 8-something. Eight oh, wow. A really good game. Yeah, and Because you know, so, the title's like, oh, foul play. That sounds like a really bad baseball game or something terrible. But, yes, Naomi, if you read the description. Ahead. So uh, play as Damon Hunter. Is that? that that's the thing. Sure. Damon yep. Hunter. We have a Damon here at IGN. We do. Um, Baron Dashforth in a side-scrolling brawler set entirely on a theater stage. Perform shattering take, uh, takedowns and re- reversals. Electrify spectators with linked attacks. Have a friend uh, join as a sidekick. Let's just read on here. Uh, Scampwick and you... Who, hold on a second. That's sidekick Scampwick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love that Bad name, I suppose. Uh, and use every stage trick you know to bring the house down. 
play out the most spectacular moments of the Baron's life, improbable beasts, astonishing villainy, and at the heart of it all, the mysterious foul play. So it's essentially the Gunstringer meets Castle Crashers, Mm -hmm. if that helps you. Mm. That's a great, great... And <laughs> check out the review on IGN, read the review, and then again, I always remind everyone, particularly with these live arcade games that tend not to get a lot of publicity, mm-hmm. there's a trial version, free demo for every single Xbox Live Arcade game. No excuse not to go download it and try it out. That's true. I mean, I'm going to check it out just because the irony of the title, right? Foul Play, and it's on a theater <laughs> stage. <It's laughs> right. That's cute. I, 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 that really I see what you did there. Right? <laughs> uh, and then on, the anything on the Marketplace? Uh, nothing. Except your free Rainbow Six Vegas one for gold members from September 16th to 30th. Okay, that's, <gasps> that's now. not nothing. That's one of my favorite, favorite games. Aw, Ryan, you tricked us all. Yeah. Well, there's just, there's no, there are no download packs yeah. or add-ons right. or anything. Just, right. Just, you know, if you're a gold member, which I suspect most people listening to this podcast <laughs> probably are, be sure to download uh, Rainbow Six, Rainbow Vegas, Six Vegas while you can. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. All right, we'll come back, and I'm I'm looking forward to, to testing you guys out in the uh, in our trivia game. I won the last us. one, so yeah. be right back. Unlock lock. Can you take on the challenge? All right, this week's trivia question in the unlock block comes to us from uh, Angel. He's a fan, a longtime fan from uh, New York City, Manhattan. He followed me over from OXM. This is a guy, his, his gamer tag, by the way, Reclusive Racer, all one word. This is a sweetheart of a guy. Uh, I, long story short, I, have, I once expressed my fondness for the Muppets growing up as a kid and found out that you can have a Muppet of yourself made at the Muppet Workshop in Manhattan. Whoa. Oh. Angel here. Had a Ryan McCaffrey Muppet made and brought it to me at E3. That is, it is amazing. A, there, it is a thing that exists, and <laughs> he reminded me that uh, I need to bring it in, and we need to do some videos with it. Oh my gosh, that's happening, Ryan! I'm surprised it's not Ryan sitting at your Muppet desk Ryan. right now. I know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bring it in. I'm gonna bring him in. Uh, so we must yeah, see this. Angel that's is really sweet. That's yeah. Usually, it's a it, little it's creepy, the... but it's more, <laughs> more sweet than creepy. I think. Wait, no, is it, it the Muppets that's creepy, or is it more so how it looks? I'm not sure. That a fan would go somewhere. And a have fan a would go all the way. Yeah. yeah. But well, it is it is more sweet, like I said. Yeah, he went to the time and trouble of doing that, <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's hilarious. My my two year old uh, cracks up at the sight Aww. of the Muppet. Uh, so yeah, Angel's a great guy, and he sent in a good trivia question this week, and for that he will get a podcast unlocked prize pick that no longer includes Guitar Hero Van Halen because we finally <laughs> ran out. So we'll get you some good stuff, Angel. And so for uh, I'm going to test your Halo knowledge. Okay. I admit I got this one wrong. I am a longtime Halo player, and I did not remember this correctly. Well, that takes the pressure off a little bit, huh? Yeah. Bit. So. Okay. Uh, in Halo, the original Halo Combat Evolved, what animal's image is on the casing of a spent shotgun shell? I, I know this one. Halo Combat you know Evolved. Aww. Absolutely. Was it? Is it a hippo, an elephant, a rhino, or a bull? Okay, bull, I'm going to go first elephant, since Steve knows. Rhino, bull. A bull. Um, I like rhinos, so I'm going to say a rhino, but I really have no clue. Mm. You're right. It is, it is a rhino. Oh, my God. Are we right? No, it's Damn a hippo. It. Damn, it. Damn it. You know, I actually heard a song, um, Silly Me. I, I, I don't know. I was on YouTube, and there was this old, like, 1950s, I think it was, like, Shirley Temple singing it, hippopotamus hmm. song. I think it was I, a Christmas song. I want song. a hippopotamus for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> 
So <laughs> I'm like, you know, just because I heard it this week, it was yeah. like a sign or something. I should have said hip, hippopotamus. Have I didn't. I, could have sworn I it was went the other way. Oh you know, <laughs> to be fair, Steve, it make, if it again makes you feel better, I thought it was rhino too. Yeah, rhino just seems like but cooler. It, was a, it was in fact somehow. Wow. According to Angel. So well, good job, uh, Congrats, Steve. Angel. You've won yourself the podcast unlocked prize pack. Congrats, Angel. If you would like to be as cool as Angel and win free stuff from us, you got to work for it a little bit. Send in a good Xbox-related trivia question. Include four multiple-choice answers. Please note the correct one in your email. <laughs> uh, and also need your full mailing address if and your gamer tag if you want that read on the air. And you can mm-hmm. send that to unlocked at IGN.com. And we play each and every week. Actually, uh, yes, I will be here next week. I've, uh, I'm out of town a little bit, but we'll make sure a show happens. And that's cool. it. We come to the end where we plug things. The uh, shameless plugs portion of the show. Yay. Are you looking that up? I am found... actually trying to find a picture of this hippo. <laughs> you you got it? Um, so, yeah, oh, it nice. There yeah. she is. All I want so is cute. a hippo shell casing. Naomi, where can yeah. we find? We can find you on the Daily Fix. You find me on the Daily weekday. Fix. Um, Cheap Cool Crazy is also... Uh, Sort of reoccurring thing now. We're doing one uh, every every two months, I think, is the plan. And so check us out on IGN's YouTube channel, IGN's uh, Start channel as well on YouTube. And you can also catch me on Twitter at Naomi Kyle. Yes. Facebook, Naomi Kyle slash you have Naomi Kyle fans. So many followers, it blows my face away. Because <laughs> it's just stop like it. a lot of people that love you. Aww. You're even verified. You're extra, you got that extra layer of cool. Yeah, there's a, there's a story behind that. I might leave it for another podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll, yeah. We'll hold on to that for your next There's a appearance. secret to getting verified on Twitter. Ooh. Um, and then I guess, what else? Instagram is also a, a big thing for me. You can get me uh, just slash you know, the real Naomi quick, Kyle. Uh, if you could tell the story, you were at the, uh, strangely, at the New York Fashion Show. I was. Recently. I was in New York City with Angel. No, I saw a couple of your Instagram pictures. You yeah, looked fantastic. Thank you. Uh, do, do you have any interesting, because you, know, you were there in a video game context. That's right. Uh, they had a uh, so Ubisoft held and it's their second year having this event, uh, a Just Dance fashion show, which is really cool and kind of a different. It's it's kind of interesting to see video games right now a part of mainstream in that way, right. especially in the fashion world, which is yeah. seems completely. Um, I mean, video games have, have never been really featured in, in fashion and say, except for. I don't know, avatars in, in the Just Dance games, for example. Um, so I think it was just an interesting uh, mix. And, of course, Ubisoft um, contacted us to cover the event. So I was there for a good uh, – well, the, the, the event was on the 12th, so it was for one day. But I was there for one day beforehand, uh, just getting used to the city again. I love I love New York, um, as they always say. Indeed. <laughs> and uh, it was really cool. We got to see uh, Just Dance for the first time running on the Xbox One. And really? I got to play a few of the new songs and uh, dance routines that they have on there. Did so, it feel, I, I take it it felt good and responsive on the new Kinect camera? Yeah. Actually, the it, the technology is very impressive. It is. Yeah. We're going to, once we get our video feature to the, together, I'll definitely... Um, give a shout out uh, on IGN, and you guys could look for that on the site. Um, I'm jealous. Nobody asked me to go to New York Fashion Week, right? Well, God. I thought it was an interesting uh, thing to cover, so hopefully we get to see that. Maybe next year you can take the Ryan McCaffrey puppet, and at least he can. That's be there right. Vicarious. <laughs> <laughs> I can have the puppet walk the runway. That would be incredible.
Incredible. Oh, so good. Uh, Steve, you run all of IGN, so are we just promoting IGN.com? Yeah, I mean, you can basically find me getting out of the way of Ryan and the other members of Podcast Unlocked <laughs> so that they can continue to do the amazing job they're doing. Uh, if you're interested in following me on Twitter, I'm uh, at Steve Butts, not underscore. That's a different guy. Yeah, that's a different guy. Don't follow that guy. Uh, but yeah, uh, you can just find me on Twitter. Uh, otherwise, I'm just here uh, trying to man make the it, ship, make it possible by so the that way, everybody else can mm-hmm. do a good job. You are the man responsible, or at least the face of. Uh, we, we've actually had some nice notes from people. You know, you're you put out the big open letter a couple few months ago that sure. we oh, are yeah. we are putting our foot down. We are changing our comment culture here mm-hmm. at IGN. Mm-hmm. We want to make it a more inclusive, happier place. And we've heard from a number of people that said, "Hey." It's working. Thank you. Yeah. How well, do you see that as having having been going over the last couple months? Uh, I'm very gratified by the by the progress we've made. I mean, it's it's one of those battles that you're never gonna you're never gonna win, right? Right. You're never going to eliminate hate and small mindedness and and the the ease with which the anonymity of the internet allows people to be terrible to one another, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or the uh, the likelihood that somebody's just gonna be mad at you because you're not a person just like them, right? right. But that said, um, standing up and saying, look, that's not okay. It's not okay to discriminate against people just because they're different than you. And you can't uh, call disagreement what is actually disrespect um, and hide behind that. Um, and it's it's done pretty well. I mean, all the yeah. editors have kind of jumped in and all the other members of the content team like Naomi have uh, taken part in moderating these comments and standing up for um, what we feel like is a better, more inclusive uh, gamer culture. It's like we said, like... This term gamer means more than it used to mean 10 or 20 years ago. 100%. And we have to yeah. acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think uh, that threatens what it means to me personally, right? It can yeah. mean something else to somebody else and still be special to me because of what it means to me individually. Um, so it's it's gone very well. Like I said, I mean, there's still people out there that hate other folks, and I don't think we'll ever get away from that. But um, you got to do what you have to do to, uh, to stand up for what you believe in. And, and for us, we've recognized this is um, – this is a value we want to hold very tightly to. Absolutely. It's, it's good for our readers. It's good for the uh, image of the industry. And, frankly, it's good for our business. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, Steve, thank you so much for, for sitting in. You're, Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, you're totally welcome. Anytime, Ryan. Uh, I, I, I forgot how much fun it is to talk to you because usually <laughs> I just it's about some dumb random – I maybe I'm, like, r- complaining to you about something or, <laughs> or making right. some, like, really horrible joke that's uh, – disturbingly offensive to you and yet you just shrug it off so it's good to have a, a sit you down and actually make you talk xbox for a while i've really enjoyed this ryan i love working with you and it's always fun to have time to uh, sit and chat like right this. back at you sarah naomi it's always a pleasure to Aww, have you thanks i love being on this podcast and thank you for having me you are always time. welcome uh in fact uh mitch destin you guys are fired you guys you two are hired welcome to the yes! show nice. the plan worked Finally. excellent so uh most folks listen to podcast unlocked each and every week Via the free iTunes subscription, we're very easy to find. Just search Podcast Unlocked in the iTunes field on the uh, iTunes store and click the subscribe button, and it will be delivered to you automatically free each, each and every week. We're also on the Zune Marketplace, and we're most uh, – other places where po- you can find major podcasts. And, of course, each and every week on IGN.com, you can participate in our our friendly conversation uh, comment thread on the, on the show post thread every Wednesday when I put it up, which I'll now be doing within the next 20 or so minutes. So for Steve Butts and Naomi Kyle, I am Ryan McCaffrey. This has been Podcast Unlocked, episode 113. 
the world's number one Xbox podcast. I'm very proud to say thanks to everybody who listens, and we'll be back with good old 114 this time next week.